I'm Zach D'Amico. And I'm Carson Cook. And welcome to the New Auteurs, the podcast where we take the critical framework from the golden era of cinema and apply it to today's films and filmmakers. On each episode of the New Auteurs, we'll go deep on one director, writer, actor, or other filmmaker using a singular film as a case study in an attempt to understand their screen essence. After a special wrap-up episode last month, this is our first regularly scheduled program of the year and we're talking about Denzel Washington and his Oscar-winning role in 2001's Training Day. Carson, does King Kong have shit on you? I would say he does. He's he's very, yes. very large and a giant ape. He's been in several movies. I've been in zero. Both great yeah, points. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't really know what I would do. I think I would be kind of embarrassed to even talk to him. What if you have Godzilla on your side? Well, you know. Is Denzel going to be Godzilla in Kong v. Godzilla? Is that the surprise twist? So that would make me a lot more interested in seeing that movie, I have to say. If it was, if it became clear that he mo-capped, if we had like a, a Denzel Andy Circus mo-cap off, then I would be into it. What a way to usher back theater going to. Yes, absolutely. So what, what does Denzel mean to you when you think, because I mean, he's one of the, he's one of those one name people. Right. But what do you think of when you think Denzel Washington? I mean, Denzel is one of those kind of last, last of the old guard movie superstars. And, and by that, I mean the ones who they're above the title and you will go see the movie because they're in it. And I think this has been talked to death by a lot of people on a lot of outlets, but it's tougher to find that kind of person anymore to find just like enough pure star-driven vehicles that you can see a name of an actor on the poster or in the trailer and say okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go see that and it's probably gonna be at worst pretty fun and the floor is really really high and there's gonna be like a decent amount of those and that just isn't the case anymore but denzel is one of those ones who I see a Denzel movie and I say, okay, cool. I'm in, I'll go see it. And I expect to enjoy myself. Is he our last biggest superstar? I mean, I think it is, it, it's him and it's Cruz, I think are the two who are kind of right. the vestiges of that right. previous generation of superstars, the ones I'm talking about. That held on the longest. Yes, I would have, you know, you would have thrown someone like Will Smith in there Yep. Two, but I think his his star has fate. We haven't seen kind of the return to form for Smith. And then you have someone like Keanu Reeves even, who is a little different because I think his kind of renaissance is more, it's, it's weirdly a little more tongue in cheek. It's a little more meta. Whereas people like Washington and Cruz are, they're doing what they've done and they've always been very good at doing it. Denzel obviously has kind of the, uh, he is still interested in kind of more prestige fare. Like he balances his, his action thrillers and his prestige well. And, uh, and that probably gives him the edge a little bit in my mind. They're, the, they're like the people who I think of in the category of like surprisingly hard to do six degrees of separation with, mm-hmm. because you can, I'm like, oh, Will Smith. Yeah. He's, I can name so many movies with him, but then he's like, he anchors all of them. Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, okay, Martin Lawrence. Hmm, shoot. Well, all right. 
Robin Williams is another one, although he was mm-hmm. more of like a kind of surprise and uh, like off type superstar and leading man, but who just like they anchored so many movies for so long. When do you think Denzel, if you could name a movie in his filmography, looking chronologically that that he stopped being like the big box office draw that if you were the person who decided whether his name was going above the title or below the title and no one's was going above the title what what is that movie where you start to think okay yeah his his draw is not as big as it once was uh we can't get this movie made just on his name if it's happened i think it's happened I I don't know if it's happened. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking here. I mean, the I think the ones that are the weird outliers are actually the movies he directed in a lot of ways. And and maybe if you kind of throw throw those out, I still think, I mean You don't think like Roman J. Israel? I mean, maybe. I was I was trying to figure out if it was earlier than that. I mean, that's only a couple of years ago. It is. Uh, it's very recent. Yeah. I just you just yeah. look at like you have Roman J is like, I'd like to, I want to see if he can anchor a movie and have it be at least relatively successful after that, because you have that, which was not successful. Mm -hmm. Then you have the equalizer two, which you can, you can't chalk up just to him because it's also at that point it's IP it's sequel. So you have people who are already interested. Yeah. It's weird little things, which it's hard to know how successful it was given that it's streaming. And then you have Macbeth, which is a Coen brothers movie. The equalizer two is weird because it's his first sequel ever which is i love wild another superstar who has a very weird first sequel is tom hanks right like he he didn't make he didn't reprise a role for a very long time until he made the second robert langdon angels and demons i guess if you if you don't count the toy stories that's the yes yes uh, if you don't count the the voice only work but yeah i mean yeah i think i think you're right if it happened maybe it's there because you even look at this run of maybe kind of so so you have kind of the last couple Tony Scotts. You got your taking a Pelham one, two, three, unstoppable. Uh, then you get things like Safe House and Two Guns. And the draw is still like I wouldn't go see those movies. And to be fair, I didn't see either of those movies, but I wouldn't even think about going to see them if they didn't have Denzel with who whatever. Safe it's Ryan Reynolds. Made $200 and million. Dollars. Yeah. Two Guns I did not had not heard of until today, and it made $130 million. Right. So, and I think his name is the driver. Sure, you've got Wahlberg and Ryan Reynolds. I had to do a quick Ryan calculation to, to figure out which <laughs> Ryan was in that movie. But, but I think Denzel's still the the draw there, right? I mean, he's he on the poster, he, it's him. It's Denzel first, and then you know, Wahlberg, who at that point could, you know, you could argue was maybe a bigger star, but at that discreet moment in time, but. I mean, that's, that's incredible longevity. That's 30 years at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Of consistent reliability. Do you think that's, I mean, so like, so, so thinking about like my personal background with him, I knew him as a superstar far before I knew him as, maybe not far before, but before I knew him as an elite actor. Mm -hmm. Growing up when I fought Denzel, it was closer, no shade intended here, but it was closer to like Clooney. And I think Clooney is a very good actor, but like Denzel has two Oscars and I don't think it's enough. And Clooney has one Oscar and I think that's fine. I think it's for the wrong movie, but I think it's fine. It's fine, sure. Denzel is Meryl, I mean, he's like the Meryl Streep of like the perfect combination of, in just unbelievable talent and on the other side like a an unmatchable charisma that 
creates like a, a certain breed of superstar. Yeah, that it's, you know, you kind of look through his filmography and you try to, it's, you know, I didn't count them up, but I was trying to kind of figure out, I look at this and I say, huh, Denzel like does way more just kind of like thrillers and blockbusters than I realize. Cause I think of him now as kind of more of a prestige guy, but then I look through and it's kind of like, oh, well maybe he's doing like more prestige stuff than I realized too. It's, it's a fairly even split for him. And, and you're right. I mean, I just knew him. I probably, you know, I was trying to figure out when I would have first encountered Denzel. And I think it has to have been remember the Titans. Uh, that would have been an early thing I saw along with weirdly, cause my, my, dad was a Shakespeare professor. I, I would have seen much do about nothing really early. The, the Brana adaptation, which is star studded in its own, own right. But, but yeah, I mean, remember the Titans is the one that, that stands out for me at least. I don't know about you. I mean, he has this early phase that is like, you know, the first half dozen, I mean, between the ages of nine and 15 for me, I would have seen remember the Titans, John Q out of time, man on fire, inside man, deja vu, which is just like, I feel like we, we have said this multiple times with people as we think about it, like our origin story with them, but like that is catnip for like a 13 year old yeah. kid. I love that. I'm so happy that I experienced that phase of Denzel when I was 13 and not when I was 28 and had fallen in love with like Spike Lee movie 90s Denzel, prestige fair Denzel. I'm, I'm very grateful that like I got to see that growing up. And then as I got older, I dug into his history uh, and saw some of his better, or saw some of his like stronger capital A acting performances. Although I love is, him I as mean, an action star too. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's the that's kind of the question, right? And we we've like kind of accidentally denigrated his his work as an action star, even in like the the first few minutes we've been talking. And and we all do that. And there's there's something to you know. There's the movies that are acting showcases that win Oscars and there's the movies that are fun popcorn fare, but he, he's bringing the same level of charm and gravitas to and commitment to both kinds. Right. He rarely, rarely phones it in. I, I, I can't think of a time where he's really not, not trying, even though he doesn't really have to try. He could, he could probably do a lot of this stuff in his sleep, but he is giving it, his all what's so impressive i think that's a good point and what's so impressive about him is that he can pull off both and it's impressive from both sides you have plenty of action stars who could not carry a movie like fences who could not play his role in malcolm x and then you have plenty of people who can do these prestige roles who could be in a movie like philadelphia who could not who could not convince me as an action star right Right. And it's it's equally difficult to do, but they re- they require very different muscles, and yet he brings like a similar energy to both and pulls them both off, and that's like one of the things that's probably most impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we know we generally, I think people know Denzel's career art for the most part. I mean, he he was, you know, studied at Fordham. He studied at the ACT in San Francisco. He was doing theater and television work. He was on Saint Elsewhere for several years gets his first Oscar nom in 87 and wins supporting actor in 89 for glory. And he's kind of off to the races from there. You know, seven other nominations outside his two wins, uh, including for training day in a one. My question for you is what is Denzel's 
best decade. Like he's been, he's been working for four decades or, you know, into his fifth, the eighties, nineties, two thousands, and the 2010s, the, the eighties are, you know, he obviously, he gets two Oscar noms and a win, but you know, it's probably between the other three for me somehow. And I'm curious where you would fall because I think it's really difficult to pick. I, so like, I, I, it's a battle for, it's a battle between his, his weaker elements in each decade between the nineties and two thousands for me, like nineties, he is just like carried by a lot of career defining roles and a lot of more prestige roles. And then the two thousands, as we said, it's like his, his like, Oh, I finally won an Oscar. I'm going to go do all these movies that are a bit more fun <laughs> role. Like immediately after training day, he did that run of John Q out of time, man on fire inside man. But you have fewer roles where he gets to flex his fewer roles where he gets to stretch his acting muscles. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I like, I'm looking at the list now and is, you know, is something like Crimson Tide, which is actually, I think, one of the most fun, both movies and performances in a fun Tony Scott action movie in his mm-hmm. entire career. Does that, you know, does that, does that give him the win in the 90s versus something like American Gangster, which though it is somewhat of like an action and thriller, it is like also kind of a biographical epic, which gives him a lot of room to move as an actor. You know, he didn't do a lot of either type of movie in in their respective decades, which one, I, I think I might go with the 90s. I think I might go with like the run of Mo Better Blues, Malcolm X, Pelican Brief, Philadelphia, Devil in a Blue Dress, He Got Game, and then throw in, you got the Hurricane. I mean, that's that's tough to beat. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that may be right. I mean, the, the whole Malcolm X of it all really can kind of swing things um and he's great in philadelphia and i love crimson tide and devil in a blue dress um and he's got some fun you know fun stuff in there uh i'm probably a little lower maybe on he got game than you although i think that's still a very good performance but the the 2000s i mean he does have the 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 kind of one you would come back to here a i think training day is like a, we're going to talk about it. Training Day is a powerhouse. He is so good. He tears in Training that Day. movie. He just and you have those fun. You know, you have your your Inside Man, which is you know kind of a thriller with the Spike Lee touch. You've got Deja Vu, which is great, and you know things like Man on Fire. And then you you do also have though the Manchurian Candidate, the the Demi remake, yep, which Demi. he is he is really pretty excellent and so I, I i think i'm with you i think i probably have to give it to the 90s but it, there's there's some it's kind of there's close. yeah there's weird stuff in the 2000s yeah that, that would make fallen? it fallen i have not i have it uh i have a natural horror crime thriller yeah i've heard it's yeah. not very good but uh <laughs> i'm i'm working on a you know a piece about Denzel's serial killer movies I think you know TBD don't uh, don't hold me to this but I've got Fallen and the Bone Collector sitting on my sitting on my shelf right now so actually on your shelf you purchased these movies the library please tell me the library okay Okay. don't worry it was Fallen was written by Elliot Kazan's son I know it's got like John Goodman in it it's It's uh, incredible it seems yeah it seems like potentially the greatest movie of all time but uh, I'm worried it will not be Okay, real quick, 
I feel like this is this is a simple one, but I want to do that the, our our patented Oscar hypothetical here. Mm-hmm. Is there a Denzel loss that you? It's got to be Malcolm X, right here. If we want to go in and, and tinker with history, he has won two Oscars. He won Best Supporting Actor for Glory, and he won for Training Day Best Actor. He only has two. Do we want to go in and give him Malcolm X? I think you're right. I think that's the one we would give him. So we just have to figure out what that changes. So we so we take it from Pacino. Yes. But you know what we do? We give it right back to Pacino. In the same year. For Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Exactly. He was nominated right. for both. So we give him that. That takes it away from Hackman for Unforgiven, who won Best Supporting, but he already has one. He's already got one. He's fine. He doesn't need more than one. He doesn't need it. My, 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 my follow-up, though, is do we take glory away then do we say okay you have two for your best two performances two lead actors do we then take away glory and give that to someone else that's tough i don't want to i don't want to take any more away from denzel is the thing i'm honestly trying someone who's who's very deserving i'm honestly trying to think if if we should give him a fourth fourth right we could take away glory and then give him a separate third or just give him a fourth like that's the thing. I, I mean, what's could... the performance that you would that? What's the performance that he was nominated for? Yeah, let me let me look back at his nominations real quick and uh, and, and so double you've got, check here. You've got Cry Freedom, which is his first nomination. Mm-hmm. You've got Glory, which he won. Malcolm X. Then the Hurricane was his next nomination. Yeah, which he that's actually the one Best Actor that he won the Golden Globe for. He didn't win for Training Day. He won for the Hurricane. Then you've got Flight Fences. And Roman J. Israel Esquire. Yeah, so uh, I mean, there's a couple a couple things here. I would probably consider giving it to him for flight. I think he's really good in flight. That one's tricky. You take you take it away from Daniel Day Lewis, which is for Lincoln, which is fine, which I have no problem with. I think that movie is fine. He's obviously very good at being Lincoln, but he'd already had multiple Oscars at that point. We get it. I'm looking at this though, and the problem is if I was going to do something in 2012, I would probably just give Joaquin the award for the master so that we don't have to deal with Joker later. Now we're, we're using Denzel as a launching point to, we, pick, we're, to, to I'm solve just, other I'm trying problems to, with the Oscars. I'm trying to fix it all. I, like I would it. I would I would actually probably give it to him and weird as it may be, I would probably give it to him of these nominees for Roman J. Israel, Esquire. I don't need Old Men. I, I just don't. I don't need it. Chalabay is going to get one. He'll get one eventually. It's true. This is, that's, a, that's a bold choice. I mean, does that almost guarantee a Mank? A Mank Oscar? Probably. For Old Men. Right, but but like who 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 is probably going to win otherwise? Good question. Who is going to win? Uh, this year another podcast maybe we'll do a do an oscars prediction podcast a little prognostication maybe it'll be john david washington for malcolm and marie which another fun fact i learned it's not i mean it's not going to be john david washington for malcolm and marie but uh i just wanted to bring up this fun fact what Uh john david washington's brother denzel's other son one of his uh i believe he has four children is named malcolm and he he has a he went to school for film studies and that, I, I imagine that must have been weird. I imagine it would be weird to play someone with your brother's name, especially in such like an emotionally charged movie in which your name is spoken a lot. They that, say each other's names an enormous amount in that movie, Malcolm Marie. 
If I ever interview John David Washington, I'm going to ask about this. Yeah, you should. I think that would be, uh, I think the people want to know. All right, I'm back. Okay. I'm back looking at Glory briefly. It's not a it's, great year of nominees. It's tough. It's tough. A, I haven't seen three of these. Uh, so I can't tell you about Ed Harris, who I like, or Bruce Willis, or Brando in A Dry White Season. The, the, the like the interesting one you've got connery here which is kind of fun for last crusade but you know i probably wouldn't take away take away denzel's for that the weird one is danny aiello if it was who's it's obviously very so good tough. but it, if there was it's anyone else so nominated for that for movie. that movie then maybe to we take it talk. from denzel and give it to danny aiello in do the right thing yeah it's tough Listen, if it was Totoro, it's very good. <laughs> well, then another story. If it was, if it was brother Totoro, if it was the, the other brother, right? Yes, the of nice course. racist. Yes, he's the owner. Yes, he's. Um, no, you know what we do? We give it to so the the year that he was nominated for the Hurricane, mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey won it. Oh, yeah. Give it to him that. Oh yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. And then what do we want to give? How do we want to reward Kevin Spacey? Um, I'm thinking we gotta figure we gotta figure that out. Maybe prison. We could we could give him that. Maybe like yeah. Maybe go back to his earliest nomination and instead of that nomination, he just gets prison. All right. Excellent. We have solved this one. So by my count, Denzel now has six. Six wins. So. Is at, that right? At least he won, <laughs> he won twice for Roman J. Israel somehow. <laughs> he won for his acting performance and then he won for just carrying the movie to any semblance of uh cogency. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Awards, special Oscar that year. Good for you, Denzel. All right, well, I got one final question for you before we before we maybe move into uh, our, our our case study of Training Day. Cool. Do you see his career as phases? Since he has he has a very like strong split in the types of movies that he tends to do. Do you think of like in your head like oh you've got this is action movie phase Denzel this is trying to win an Oscar phase Denzel or I mean I the way I think I kind of think about it is at least at the very least the last decade or so is balanced phase. Yeah, I mean I was thinking I was thinking about this and whether it was going to kind of line up neatly and when I was looking through his filmography I mean it's it's too much of a myth. He does not in my mind he doesn't really have these discrete phases unless you include like at a certain point just out of you know necessity of age he become he goes from kind of you know young hotshot Denzel to pseudo elder statesman Denzel. When does he do that? Man on Fire is probably like what I would peg potentially as the as a turning point partially just because of that movie although you could you know kick it earlier but you've got training day in 2001 you've got man on fire in 2004 um you've got stuff in between like john q and antoine fisher and out of time but so i'd actually argue right before i think you can use there's like a transition period in which he does both clearly Mm -hmm. that runs from like the the it's just kind of the early 2000s is his slow transition phase but i think if you're going to go one movie to one movie he goes from playing an athlete in the hurricane to the coach in remember the titans sure which to sure. me is like a very stark, like one type to another yeah. type. Yeah, that's fair. I think of him, I mean, I have not seen Remember the Titans in a long time. I think of him as being like a pretty young coach. Yeah. 
He's a uh, young coach, but I think it's like the it's way he's presented. He's not like shown in any sort of like he has zero sex appeal in that movie. Yeah. He's not like sexy coach, sexy Herman Boone. Sure. And he's sure. like, he's got kid. He's a father. And that's a very big part of his role is like worrying yes. about his daughter. That's a great and point. his fellow coach's daughter. So, but that's just kind of a natural, he, he never has, I do not think he ever has like a chasing an Oscar phase and he never has just kind of a i don't think so and he never really has like just a cashing it in like action movie phase i mean maybe this maybe this stretch we're talking about with like safe house and two guns and the equalizers but the equalizers starting with maybe starting with like poem one two three yeah outside of flight he has a run that's poem one two three book of ui unstoppable safe house two guns the equalizer that's yes so my only and the only thing that i think kind of throws a wrench in that is that you've got taking poem one two three and unstoppable and those are tony scott movies and he's a tony scott guy like he's he's just coming back and working with tony scott it's not like a for hire thing and then the equalizers and the magnificent seven are Antoine Fuqua movies and he's been an Antoine Fuqua guy. No, I don't think he's ever like, had like a cashing it in, but exactly. I still think it's like a, I still think it's like a, he did the, he, he did a similar thing after he won the Oscar where he did a run of action movies there. Yeah. Most of them are very good. His performances are strong. He's working with people he likes working with. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a cashing in phase, but I would call it like a, uh, like indulging phase or just like that was the phase where he wanted to do those types of movies. But like they, they do seem to come in bunches in his they do. career. I think that's true. Although there's weird, the other weird thing, and this maybe will segue us kind of into this, is Training Day, not an Oscar movie, not a movie I would have expected. If you had shown me the trailer for Training Day in a theater and whatever in, in 2000 or 2001, I would not have assumed that this was a movie that was playing. I would not have put it in Denzel Prestige Fair. I would have been like, no. oh, cool. Denzel's doing a fun thing. Right. This Denzel's is a fun doing Denzel like movie. Den of Thieves, but yes. 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. And so the fact that it it, it went on to, you know, obviously That's just win. all Denzel? I mean, I think Denzel's His presence elevate it. it? I think it elevates it. Although I think they also weirdly capture lightning in a bottle with Ethan Hawke, who also gets an acting nomination for this movie. Yeah. And is one of the better foils that Denzel has ever had like I mean Hawk is Hawk is great in this movie they're both uh I think they're both excellent but but maybe so maybe we'll, let's let's back up a second what do you think about Training Day overall overall pretty good movie I mean Denzel is just a force right like Ethan Hawk's really really good but it is notable that until you just said that like I hadn't really spent much brain power thinking about how good Ethan Hawk is and, and and now you say it like yes he is he's very good he plays his role perfectly but Denzel just rips through this movie and owns like every scene he is in and part and partly like he is supposed to too it's not like he overpowers Ethan Hawke in a way that like bullies him as an actor he's bullying yeah. him as a character and yeah. that is like that is part of it right but because like because of both who he is as an actor and who his character is like how it's written it's it's just like a tour de force. It is. It really is. And it is it is interesting though, because I think on on paper, it's interesting to talk about the Oscars with these two. Because on paper, I think Hawk's character would be the lead actor. And yes. Alonzo is the supporting. 
So I, I had so this question for you, which is, is this Jake's movie or is this Alonzo's movie? The character. It, it's Jake's movie, but it's Denzel's movie. I mean, that's the, that's how it comes Is down. it though? Okay, but like counterpoint, I mean, the movie starts with Jake and it ends with Alonzo. Mm-hmm. This movie ends with, with a long stretch on Alonzo and it kind of is, could be seen as like the tragedy, like the tragedy mm-hmm. of his character, right? And obviously, like, our way into the movie, the movie opens on Ethan Hawke's character, Jake Hoyt. He's at home. He wakes up in the morning. It's his first day in this new, in, in the narcotics unit, a new unit. He's nervous. It, you know, it could make or break his, break his career. His wife's there. His baby, the baby is there. It's like, this is the story of Jake Hoyt. But by the end, it is like the, it's not really the rise and fall. It's just the fall and fall of Alonzo Harris. I think I would buy more that it is Alonzo's movie, if not for the extended stretch where he abandons him he with that gang, um, yeah. which is and a we like, don't care. long and, like, the stretch. Film, the film does not care about his effort. Like he's got this whole thing where he lost money to the Russians. Mm-hmm. And that's what this whole day is about is getting that money so he can pay them off before midnight. And those are like the stakes for him. Yeah. And the movie doesn't really care about that. Like that's what he's going to do. And that would be the climax of his story. And the movie, and that's a good point. They stay with Hawk. And the movie and, and at the very end, I mean, which, which makes sense. That's how they're going to wrap it up. But we eventually do come back to Hawk in the last shot of the movie as he's, as he's listening, going back home finally. But, but, but the emotional linchpin, like the weird in that long stretch with just Hawk, it all comes back to when he did the right thing earlier in the movie. Right. And and stop those men uh, assaulting that girl. A, a contrivance that I think is kind of great. Like I the the payoff for that I think is is pretty good. It's, fantastic. Um, it's like it's 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 one of those moments that like you can see the screenwriting, mm-hmm. like you you can see the plot mechanics, but they just work so well. That's that, exactly like, what I want. It's, 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 I'm in. Yeah, it's exactly the type of contrivance I want. Exactly. Yeah. What what doesn't work for you? I mean, it is a movie that has aged a little. A, I say aged, and that's not really the right terminology. It's a movie that I don't think has, again, at least on the on the page, I don't think it has great racial politics that I think are lessened are probably lessened a little bit by the creative influence of Fuqua and. Denzel this is a David Ayer script um it's got some you know kind of exactly what you'd expect from kind of like an early 2000s version of a LA crime movie in terms of how it treats um, written by white people of color yes it also doesn't have and like on the same scale like the gender politics aren't super good and it's really like unfortunate how Eva Mendez is kind of who is so great as an actor is really not given anything to do here except be naked uh i actually was was i read i read somewhere which you know the internet's the internet but i read somewhere that she was frustrated with her career and was like you know close to quitting acting before this role and this role helped yeah again i can't imagine how substantively this role was a breakthrough but perhaps just being in a movie with denzel washington got her name more on the map it doesn't really excuse how how thin the role is and and she's someone who pops i mean and some you do have to get she's given enough that she she is someone with like a magnetic screen presence and she pops and that's, that's great. Although the one, the one thing I wanted to 
point out about that. I thought it was really, like I said, I, I don't think the women are not, you know, there's not a lot for them to do in this movie. The really interesting thing is the very end, which is some gender stuff that is character driven instead. I find it fascinating that Alonzo, who is on top of it, he's on guard, he knows what's going on at the very end. He pulled the way I read this, he pulls up at the light and a car pulls up next to him and he's on guard because there's a car next to him and he's on the run from the Russians. And he looks over and the driver's a woman and he relaxes like that character, that care. And we understand that from that character that he does not see like a woman as a threat. And that, you know, is, well, it's a, it's a, a it's a like, it's kind of a, a like a like a, a closing the circle moment when early in the film when he just like in a like kind of a throwaway getting to know the character moment in the diner when he first sits down with Ethan Hawke he starts basically ribbing him over the fact that his former supervisor was a woman and he's shocked that she was a woman and then he starts making denigrating remarks about yeah. her and about whether you know Ethan Hawke had sex with her and all this stuff and then circle back to this moment and he sees her and he's not threatened immediately mm-hmm. and it's it's. Like you said, it's in character. I was going to say, just to go back to some of the, like, it's it's one thing we'll never know, like, and it's sort of an unanswerable question here, is how much better was it because of Fuqua directing and Denzel in it? And specifically, I'm curious about Denzel, because at this time, I don't think Antoine Fuqua had much weight in Hollywood. I mean, I don't think David Ayers wasn't a big name as a screenwriter necessarily, but it was one of Fuqua's early movies. He had done music videos for a while. But Denzel did. He was attached to this movie and he helped get it made. And I know he made at least a certain amount of changes. He improvised a decent amount. I think the biggest change that I could find he made was the entire ending, the kind of the very Mm. hyper-violent operatic ending that his character Alonzo comes to uh, was not the original ending. I don't think they even had him dying. I think they had Ethan Hawke giving him the money and just walking away towards the end when he goes to his house, which I think is is fascinating. And so I, one of those things we'll just never know is, you know, maybe it would have been pretty cringeworthy had Denzel and, and Fuqua to a certain extent not been involved. That's fascinating. I'm, I'm looking here. It's, this, is, this is actually David Ayers. He's credited on U571 as one of three screenwriters in 2000. And then he has this. So this is one of his first scripts and i know this script was in development for a while because it was in development before the the lapd rampart scandal um and then it seems like that the interest around that kind of helped move this along which is something i'm i'm really interested i was wondering i had not seen this movie in probably over a decade and i was very curious how it would hold up in terms of its kind of just like depiction and thoughts on law enforcement, especially like watching it now. And I was actually a little surprised. You obviously have, you have kind of like the Ethan Hawke is in a lot of ways, the, this is how the police should be. He's like the idealization in a lot of ways of, of a police officer, but this movie is pretty like full throatedly open about like police corruption and uh, in a way that I wasn't, I wasn't actually, I was kind of surprised. And violence. Yeah. State violence. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it, I, I was, I think I was surprised that outside, right. They have this sort of, they have this grander corruption 
and they 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 do bake into it what I think is supposed to be seen as a moral ambiguity around, you know, they steal from and kill the biggest provider of drugs to children in Los Angeles. And the justification is that the world's a better place for it. But then there's also like, as not a part of the grand corruption and, you know, not a part of paying people back, Denzel, Denzel's character Alonzo, like is also just, you know, hyper-violent towards women. They they fake a, a warrant to, in order to steal money from this woman's house. They like they do they do a lot of small things here and there. You know, he like holds a knife to the throat of a guy who was yes attempting to rape a woman in in a, an alleyway, but he doesn't do it because of that. He do it because the guy taunted him, right. <laughs> and, right. right? And then he and then he leaves him, and they don't even arrest him. Uh, and so there is that sort of casual everyday behavior that I think reflects. Uh, a lot of what people are seeing more and more and talking about more and more now, as opposed to just like the big, you know, plot driven corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's the day to day and the fact that it takes a while for like from minute one, Ethan Hawke is like incredibly uncomfortable with this and knows it's wrong and voices it. And it's never a movie where he becomes like, okay with it. Like at no point is he really there. There are mo- small moments, but really he's he's trying to get like a promotion. He's trying to make detective so that he can, you know, and he thinks at least do do better and do justice and provide for his family. And this is like the way. And he's got a superior officer who's telling him, you know, this is just how things how things work. This is what you got to do. And the, that that's something that felt very, very realistic. Just this, uh, the fact that you know he he continues to go along with it just because he doesn't really know what else to do. Yeah, him smoking the joint that was like laced mm-hmm. with PCP, I think, was a really well done scene of like yeah. trying not to do it, trying not to do it, trying not to do it. And at no point did I have any idea what Alonzo Harris actually wanted him to do. Yeah, or if he was literally just you know, putting him in a pressure cooker to see how he responded. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I like, that was a very realistic moment. And you see how his ambition, like very slowly at first, but like a ball rolling downhill, like gains speed pretty quickly, how he can be pushed to, to do things that, you know, earlier in the day, even he would have been uncomfortable with. So speaking of Ethan Hawke though, have you, so people who were supposed to be cast in this movie, it was initially mm. going to be Sam Jackson in the Denzel role and Matt Damon hmm. is Ethan Hawke, which I actually think could have worked with a young mm-hmm. Matt Damon quite well. I mean, Ethan Hawke was pretty great, but, and then rumor is that once they brought Denzel in, they offered the part of Jake Hoyt to Eminem. Which that is, is something that rings like a vague, a vague bell. That is. Yeah. I mean, you want to say hard, hard to see that, but yeah, you could, you could see it. Edge, yeah. He's got the edge of like a, but I, 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 I struggle to see him as like the well-meaning, like idealized version of you know trying to be a straight-edged cop. That's what I struggle to see. Yeah, because like, when is you need someone a bit more fresh-faced than than like like Ethan Hawke. I think that's why Hawke works so well. It's wild that they would be offering it to Eminem pre Eight Mile. Yeah, they didn't right? they come out the same year. Eight Miles. Oh, two. So, it, so the year oh, after. Oh, so, yeah, so the year after, yeah. Like, that's that's wild that yeah. they would consider him even... Un, he, he must have popped somehow 
in terms of, I don't know, he must have done some screen tests or something uh, outside his music videos and whatnot, I guess. Yeah. Um, he was trying to get into the industry. Yeah. Somehow. I mean, the, the Damon Sam Jack one is a movie that I see that could have worked. That's a fascinating hypo. Is that, could this have been the movie that got Samuel Jackson his Oscar? Boy, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so because it's not an Oscar movie, right? And it's not even necessarily, like, it's not an, it's not a typical Oscar movie. It's not a typical Oscar Beatty role. Mm -hmm. I think it really, really is just Denzel elevating this to an unbelievable level. And like, I think it would have been an entertaining movie with Sam Jackson. I just think this is, he's one of those people. And this is one of those roles that like, again, this, I, I, I don't like, I hate to say like, I couldn't have seen anyone else in this because I could, and they would have been solid, but I don't think anyone even gets an Oscar nomination besides Denzel in that role. Yeah. I wonder, I'm, I'm, I hear, I hear Sam Jack and I'm trying to remember the name of that movie, Lakeview Terrace. I was thinking of Sam Jack's like crooked Oscar nominated movie. Lakeview Terrace. Yeah. Uh, a movie that I, like, I remember quite enjoying. Uh, like Denzel improvised his King Kong line. Yeah. Which he is improvised, like rubbing wild. the guns together. Like they were like, he was sharpening them. Like yeah. just like some of the most iconic moments. I don't love the music in this movie. That's one thing that that's one thing that didn't work for me. It is very like zeitgeisty <clears throat> pop hip hop at the time. Like a lot of Nelly, there's some Dr. Dre, which makes some sense because it's Los Angeles. And Dr. Dre's in it. And Snoop's in yeah, it too. He's, Snoop, Snoop's in yeah. it. Snoop is the, yeah, Snoop's in the wheelchair. Uh, I read that apparently Snoop was like a consummate professional, but every time they tried to shoot a scene with him, I mean, they shot that scene in like a very crowded area on yeah. location and there were hundreds of people just screaming his name, like hundreds <laughs> of fans just yelling his name. He's so recognizable. Uh, that's tough. But, but anyway, but, but you're uh, saying, uh, yeah, the soundtrack is... Yeah, the, it's just a little too rooted in like that moment. And I get that they're trying to invoke a certain... I, don't, I just don't think you need to evoke the early, like the early 2000s for this to work at all. Uh, no, it becomes but like it was... a little too aged. I don't know. That's fair. I mean, I guess is that would would you have been on board with the music choices had you seen the movie in theaters in two thousand one? If you did, sure, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, sure. I agree. I, I did agree. not. Some, but I, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I had I had no problem with it. I think personally, but but we've Do we've you, talked about this. I'm I'm a little less tapped into kind of the the various pop music eras. Did you did the Bonnie and Clyde esque like overhead God's eye view shot of him getting riddled with bullets? work for you i mean that's uh it's fine right like the movie has earned my goodwill up to that point and so it sounds like it, it doesn't overall but like you're willing to let it go it's like it's it's a little much like sure it's a it's a little much and i'd kind of forgotten that that is kind of how that how that plays out but you know one of those things where yes if if i you know, if I was making this movie, which is always the dumbest thing to say, um, or I was editing it, like maybe I would have cut from they fire the bullets, even they fire the bullets into the car or whatever. And then it cuts to them, the news broadcast about how he dies playing over Ethan Hawke going back home. But, you know, I'll, I'll give. It's, it's great. That part is great because he did that monologue earlier in the movie. Exactly. When he was threatening Ethan Hawke saying he is survived by. Mm -hmm. And then they had the, the newscaster saying he's survived by. And that I thought that was very smart. Totally. Um, let's, let's get to Denzel's performance. Okay. What, what do you think? Good? Bad? I would say uh, good. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think this is great. It's, uh, I feel like some, maybe I'm wrong, 
But I feel like the general sense from folks is that people treat this as like a makeup Oscar and that's wrong. Yeah. Like I, this is an incredible it's performance. so good. It, it's like I said, I mean, he is, you get all this charisma. Like he's not really tamping down his like sheer charm. And that's why this works because for so much of it, you have to believe that Hawk buys into this and like believes that he's a cop who's he's unorthodox and maybe he's crossing the line a little bit, but ultimately like a but it's good just a toe, cop. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, who's looking out for him and who looks out for his guys. And you have to believe that. And you totally do. And he is going yeah. big and, and Denzel has Denzel goes big and he's an interesting actor because he is often kind of on the edge of being too big. And I'm not sure he's ever actually been too big. Um, I do get that. Like when people win an Oscar for a really big performance, there is a tendency to say that it's like, you know, maybe not the one that they deserved most. Yeah. And the Oscar always rewards like bait. And that's sort of like hammy. But this is not hammy at all to be clear. And I, I think it works because he like laces it throughout with moderation. And like, you have these moments I mean, you have like a this this sort of quiet moment in the car after after Denzel shoots the drug dealer and his appar- apparently former friend, uh, and decides that they are going to say Ethan Hawke did it, and and basically creates like this this cover up situation so that they can take his money and murder the drug dealer, mm-hmm. and they're in the car after, and he is like fairly soft with him, and he says like you know oh you sound just like me, and uh, he's basically like telling he's like telling him it's gonna be all right you know he says like i know what you're going through i went through it you know he eventually says in this business you got to have a little dirt on you for anyone to trust you which is a relatively famous line but he he shows that he there is like this little bit of empathy underneath and he might be a a good guy somewhere underneath all of the the bluster and because you have that like cutting his performance it makes all of it the more powerful i think yeah, absolutely. also just incredibly persuasive, right? When he says to him, like, you give me 18 months, I give you a career. I buy it. I'm like, yeah, I, I bet that's going to convince Ethan Hawke. I totally, like, I totally buy that that's what he's going to do for you. And it's like a good for him, good for you situation. But totally. convinces me. Yeah, to, to be able to just play, because this is, it's a it's a role that we talked about, you know, whether Sam Jack could pull it off or someone else. And, and I think, you know, probably, but it it's a much more delicate role than you might think because it's so easy to just tip over the edge. And I I was looking back, is this, he doesn't play villains often Denzel. And this is probably his most out and out. He got black villain performance, right? Cause the other one is, I mean, what, like he got game. That's Not, not the most sympathetic, but not necessarily like a villain. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. He got, but the, uh, apparently the NAACP visited him on set and was like, we don't think you should be doing this movie. You're playing a crooked cop. You are the most, probably yeah. the most uh, famous black man in America. And he, I think his his response, again, this is just according to what I've read. It was a story from Ethan Hawke, but his response was basically like, I'm a role model by doing my job well. Al Pacino gets to play bad guys. Gene Hackman gets to play bad guys. Yeah. I get to play bad guys and I'm going to do my job well and I'm going to be a phenomenal actor and contribute to society. And that's how I'm a role model, not by the characters I play. Yeah. But that's, yes. And that a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, 
and there is some there is something to the fact that like the the villainous crooked police officer in this movie you know at the center of it is is a black police officer which is something that could be a little uh, a little iffy but i th- again i think Denzel in particular just sells it and the the moment in this movie that that really like just kind of a sums up just how good Denzel is and how good this performance is is that meeting that lunch meeting with the wise men these other crooked cops who are big shots and Alonzo has been the big dog he's been he's been bullying Ethan Hawke he has like been the alpha cop this whole movie and his tone totally changes like you not so much that he's a he's a different person or you think it's all been a you know a a sham but he is suddenly a lot more deferential and you can tell just by the littlest things that he he wants to fit in with this echelon and he understands that like they don't see him as one of them or as an equal and like that, I think is actually maybe his most impressive sequence in the movie for for my money. I think that's a good point. They almost cut that scene. The studio wanted to cut that scene. That's why because it's slow. Because it's slow, right? They yeah. want action, yeah. and and they Fuqua fought for it, which is great. I think it's one of two scenes where he where he as a character loses control because I think like as like or. Where it's and where it seems like as an actor he loses control because he is on a nice edge for so much of it, but he always yeah. feels like he's dominating and like he's in mm-hmm. control of the chaos. It's controlled chaos for a lot of it. Yeah. But in that scene and then in the final scene, which mm-hmm. I know is certainly really really big and really yeah. I think as I said like operatic, but he loses control for the first time as a character and for Denzel to be able to pull that off after uh, like the entire rest of the movie, I think is so impressive and you see him like especially there's two different sides of it you see in the wise men scene that sort of deference that he shows but then in this final scene it's the grasping for control like that man Mm -hmm. in that moment when he is at the end of his rope and completely trapped he doesn't start begging he starts trying to dominate he starts trying to do what he's always done he tells that you know what do you say like he says you know you'll be playing basketball at pelican bay by the time i'm through with you you know like all that i'm king kong you know i'm I'm a cop i run this neighborhood you just live here like all that stuff is him trying to hold on to Mm -hmm. the power and the control that he had and that's exactly what he'd do in that final moment and he just completely goes off the rails in a way that it would have been so bad if he hadn't earned it but like both the movie and especially his performance had earned it up until that point that that's it's even though it's big it's realistic it's i really like early in the movie really really early i think it's they'd just gotten in the car for their first drive after coffee at the diner and denzel says or ethan hawk's character says something about like a quiet night and denzel just goes boom you never know and that is like, that's kind of how I see his like acting, especially in this mm-hmm. movie in particular. It, it always felt like both you as like watching it, him and the actor, and then Ethan Hawke being around him, the character Alonzo, like you just never knew exactly what was coming. It, it's built on magic. Yeah, totally built on Denzel's ability to kind of just turn on a dime in terms of his kind of emotional control and his tone and his even just like the volume because he's a guy who does loud really well and a guy who does quiet really well 
and and the ability yep. to go from like one to the other and from even just from like smiling and laughing to menace like he can have like his real laugh and his menacing laugh and he can switch between the two real quickly real quick yep and it's same thing with like kineticism versus stillness he uses mm-hmm. stillness both like in both silence and then his body so 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 well yeah. and like that's his he can menace you with his words and he can get going and he has this like especially this this role i mean he's always like this but he has this rhythm in the way that he speaks in this in mm-hmm. this role that's just incredible and he can be intimidating but it's even it's even worse when he stops and just looks at you and that's yeah. i mean that's it's scary stuff i but part of this role felt for me like i feel like you could see a lot of the pieces of like from his other roles like it felt a little bit like his greatest hits in that way like you have the swagger from his role as malcolm x well early in the movie malcolm x that kind mm-hmm. of swagger he mm-hmm. has you have like by the end you see that very like emotional vulnerability that you eventually get in something like fences and he, he's done a little bit more of recently you get you know i wrote an entire article on like denzel washington as coach but you get the like remember the titans coach aspect of him where yeah. he is tough on jake hoyt but also like, you know, occasionally slows down and is compassionate with him as like a mentor. You get part inside man, cop, part American gangster, crooked, like you get mm-hmm, every, mm-hmm. everything. It's... Yeah, I mean, he's, it's hard to find new things to say about uh, about how good he is. He is, I mean, watching, you know, watching a bunch of his uh, his stuff this month, you just get reminded that he is, like he is always watchable. I mean, and that is an, an underrated quality is that he was just, he is just compulsively watchable and captures your attention every moment he is on the screen. Even, even if this is a movie, I think it, it is quite good and uh, material that mostly rises up to, to meet what he's doing. But even in stuff that's like not that good, uh, you know, material that's kind of mediocre. He finds a way to elevate it without feeling like he's in a different movie. Like sometimes great actors are in a bad movie and yeah, it feels like they're, it feels a little less collaborative because they're just kind of trying to salvage the movie. And Denzel is someone who I think often brings it all up with him in a way that feels, yeah, collaborative. What's his What's his most memorable moment? Is it King Kong or something else? Or like most memorable line? Like I said, the, the moment that I think now stuck with me on this watch is that that lunch scene with the wise men. Yeah. But when you think about this movie, you think about the King Kong speech. I mean, I can't not. It is yeah. so ingrained. Just that kind of power in that speech, uh, even yeah. as he's losing all all power. Okay, so collaborator that that sort of defines Denzel as an actor in this movie. I have I I think it's Ethan Hawke. I know that he's worked with Fuqua a lot, and he's you know he he has worked with there are a couple directors that he's gone gone back to a handful of times. But I just think the importance of you you said it earlier with it. He's one of the best foils that Denzel has had, but Denzel feeds off other actors like he pulls energy from them and then he gives it right back in like a different form both boosting their own their performances but also like defining his by the the people that he's around and I just think Ethan Hawke is like you said he's such a good foil for him he allows him early in the movie and for the first stretch to be this like swaggering arrogant condescending at times 
man, but he he can go toe to toe with him and then relent eventually, and then he can overpower him towards the end and leave him sort of like you know gasping and blubbering. And I think that that like when he is at his best, you often see that he has like a scene partner or a couple to go toe to toe with that like really brings the best stuff out of him. Yeah, I I think that's right. That that's also what I would say that it that it's Hawk and it's the fact that he's a foil and yeah, I mean Denzel is 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 a great co-star he's great on his own but he's also he's a great co-star makes room for for all the other actors in the scene i i I watched man on fire recently and and what he gets out of dakota fanning who was kind of a preternaturally gifted child actor but like their chemistry is kind of astounding and he he does that with everybody some you know don't quite you know live up to his standards perhaps and, and we don't remember them as well but uh, but yeah, I think I think you nailed it there. We do this a lot, and I struggled with this one. We we talk a lot about kind of the historical comps for for our subject in this case, Denzel, or for the movie. I he's very singular in this. You you said it right when he's kind of playing his own like greatest hits in a way. I was trying to think of you know, kind of great, like villainous roles that that he may have been inspired by. And I kept thinking of things that he probably inspired with this yeah. movie. The closest I, I was able to come was because you want someone who has kind of the charm, but also the menace. And I think like Hopkins and Silence of the mm-hmm. Lambs does that. Um, and you can see a mm-hmm. little of that kind of shark nature in this, but but I, I had yeah. I had trouble coming up with anything. I don't know about you. I've got two. Okay. But I spent a lot of time on this. This is my this is my favorite part of getting ready for this. Perfect. One is Pacino and Dog Day. Mm. Uh, and like the combination of the like relatively unsympathetic. I mean, obviously very different guys at very different points of their life, but both are like living on a knife's edge and both are charismatic in a really strange way that you can't quite put your finger on and it might just be that they're Al Pacino and Denzel Washington more than anything uh both are like lose control over the course of the movie and then that big you know the the big Attica scene outside the the bank that he's robbing in dog day afternoon and then the big like King Kong scene are just two of the best examples of going big while staying grounded that like you can possibly have in acting my second one is Pesci in Goodfellas and it was literally when he was holding that guy up against the fence, right? This guy that that, mm-hmm. that Ethan Hawke had caught attempting to rape this woman in an alley and Denzel Washington goes in there and the guy just taunts him and Denzel grabs him, pushes him up against the fence. And then he was like, did you just say that to me? Did you just tell me to, you know, suck your dick? And the guy's like, no, no, no. I just, oh, now you're calling me a liar? You're saying I'm a liar? I'm lying? It's just like, it, it reeked of like that. Oh, like I'm funny, funny how? And they reeked of like, oh, you tell me, you're telling me that? Like, and just getting in his face and daring him to, and, mm-hmm. and it just, it like felt very much like hair trigger anger and menace. And like both, like, again, he could do both the silent menace and the like smooth talking menace, but then also had that weird charm that half scared you and half attracted you. But also I think this movie is just good fellas, but over the course of one day and about cops, it, it like I I mean obviously there's a lot of differences but Hawk is just Henry Hill mm-hmm. and Ray Liotta's character you literally could have in that opening scene you could he could have said like all my life I wanted to be a detective 
Yeah. Like, you yeah. could have just said that and cut out all the other like stuff. Denzel is Pesci. You literally have that this the movie was eventually like the script was rewritten because they consulted with Rafael Perez, who was a Los Angeles gangster who basically got caught and then informed on and led to the arrest of like 70 other gangsters. And then mm-hmm. you had Henry Hill, a gangster in the 70s, who got caught and informed on the mob. You have like the very blurred lines of morality where you're not quite sure who we're rooting for. And then you have like the ultimate like fall of of these people. You also have like, you know, in both movies, you have real life gang members in the movie and consulting on it. I think that's, so that, that's why I put the Pesci, uh, the Pesci comparison also. It's very, very impressive research there. I like you drawing all the, really all the threads. And like this movie also feels like there's pieces of this movie that, that they clearly feel like Fuqua it's early in his career and he's mm-hmm. like pulling from like he it felt like he wanted to be an important director in this like when he made this mm-hmm. movie that feels like what he's going for and he's yeah. you know he's not like i think he's a good director too i don't i don't mean that in a derogatory fashion at all but you can see like the little influences elsewhere mm-hmm. and and so you know it's not like a total long shot yeah that's what i got yeah that's great fuqua's got right. theoretically two movies coming out this year which is which like I'm kind of excited about. I mean, he he's another guy who they're what are they? always watchable. All right, we've got Infinite, which is a science fiction action film. Looks like with uh, Wahlberg as the lead, but we've also got Chiwetel and Jason Manzukas. So I'll watch anything with Jason Manzukas. Let's see. Evan McCauley. Maybe he's the biggest superstar. Put Jason Manzukas over the title because yes. I will go see it. Yes. Let's see. Looks like Wahlberg plays a man discovering that his hallucinations are actually visions from past lives. That's fun. And then he's also got this uh, remake of The Guilty. Um, I don't remember. Did you oh. see that uh, that Danish movie about the 911 operator? Yes, I did. Ago. That movie. That movie ruled. Yeah. Uh, agreed. It looks like Who it's going to playing... be Gyllenhaal. And then they've got... Oh, that's good. They must be expanding wow. it. I would, It feels like it's not going to be the, the one room. Which I hope, even though that, that... worked so well, like, don't... Yeah. We, we, can, we can be done remaking European movies that were made, like, two years ago. Right. Like, right. that has not worked out. It didn't work out for Downhill or whatever that... Yeah, like, you have to it. do something different yeah with it but it's got Joan hall ethan hawk peter sarsgaard riley keogh okay. divine joy randolph paul dano bill burr oh this is a netflix it's a netflix movie okay i'm i'm in if it's not a complete remake which i can't imagine how it is and not you don't just completely underutilize all those amazing actors hmm <laughs> so. scripted by nick pizzolato the true oh, he's true detective guy. right yeah. okay yeah so that is promisingly optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Fun cool. stuff. All right. Let's go, Fuqua. Denzel's just got the tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. Which I'm very excited for. I can't wait I'm for it to come out. For... Hypos. Do you have any hypos from this this movie? Any burning questions? I do have one burning question. Go. That is one of those things. It's more like a like a a, a plot annoyance. If you let's say you were a crooked cop. And okay. you were in the business of using fake warrants. To... Hell yeah. It's one of my many tools yeah. for being a crooked cop. Um, 
wouldn't you like get a fake warrant that looked like a real warrant instead of like a menu? Nope, because I live on the edge and I don't even know when I'm going to need fake warrants. I ran out. I ran out last night and I didn't have time to go get more from my fake warrant guy because I use them so often. I mean, I would just, if, if they're going to just look at the, if they're going to immediately see that, that it's fake as soon as they open it, I would, all you have to do is like print it up in Microsoft Word and or hear me make out. a bunch of copies. Pretending to have a federal warrant is definitely a lower sentence than forging a federal warrant. If you that's, forge a federal warrant, that's definitely like major felony time. That's but a good if you point. Just, if you just if you just lie about it, well, I'm saying you know, I'm saying you wouldn't you wouldn't caveat forge emptor, right? You Buyer wouldn't, beware. She probably yeah. should have looked. You wouldn't like forge it to have that address on it or whatever. You would just get like an old warrant that you used and photocopy it. I'll put this over. That was the one, the one, the one unrealistic part of this movie in my mind. Everything else checks okay. out. Okay. Okay. Mine is actually similarly unrealistic. It's kind of two parts, but it has to do with the scene with the, the poker scene mm-hmm. where Ethan Hawk goes to the house. First of all, what, what did Denzel think was going to happen there? Like, what did he want to happen there? He, he had to have known it wasn't going to go well. Yeah, a lot was left up to chance. Yeah, and second of all, why did he do that? He had every iota of leverage over Officer Jake Hoyt. He had him, he had already agreed, you know, he had taken PCP. He had threatened him once with that, gotten him to agree to pretend to have shot the drug dealer. You know, he, it was too late at this point. He had to help him with whatever he was doing. He was going to, you know, make this drug mm-hmm. drop. You, you could use some help. You could use like a lookout guy, maybe a fall guy if things don't go well. Okay. This I think I get. Here's the thing. It's pretty clear to me that that Hawk is too much of a goody two-shoes. And if I'm Alonzo, yeah, this guy's like going along with things now. And yes, I have all the leverage over him, but I'm not convinced that in a week, this guy's guilty conscience isn't going to have him like- He didn't take the money. Sacrifice yeah. himself yeah. to Jeez. bring this down. You know, like he's going to go. And even if it, even if I've got it all worked out, I'm going to have to like do an inquiry and paperwork. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, might as well just get rid of him. Okay, yeah. Did you notice the uh, Fran Kranz, director of Mass? I did. Showed Fran up Kranz right at the beginning. Up. He was in his stoner role, patented yep. st- stoner. Yep. This must The casting director for, uh, what's it called? Cabin, Cabin in the Woods. In the Woods. Mm-hmm. Must have seen this movie and thought, that guy, I wanted to be my stoner. Ugh. Love little, Fran Kranz. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people just, you get uh, Terry Crews. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. Pops Silent, up. No, no words, but he's menacing. Tom Berenger is one of the the wise men. Macy so, Gray is in this. Yep. She, that's that's fun. fun. Fun stuff. Good cast. Yeah. All right. I think we have arrived at the moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. For, oh, wait. Just brief pause. Terry Crews is billed as the pigeon flipper. That's... So, I would like... I'll defeat that. I would like a spinoff of that place. <laughs> Uh, unlike apparently the uh alonzo harris prequel that was in development at one point oh dear which, Lord, thank you i mean come on what what are they what are Starring they doing? john david well okay i guess then <laughs> there you go. that could work uh, or right. john david is is his little son who was hiding in the closet grown up 
Mm, that I would, would like. sort of like impact the trauma of his father, presumably trying to get him to be his accomplice and speaking to him in Spanish during yeah. the standoff with Ethan Hawke and trying to yeah. get him to do something definitely not safe. Yeah, I didn't like that. Didn't like a it great callback to the fact that he told Ethan Hawke that he had to learn Spanish, otherwise mm-hmm. people would be talking behind his back. It's great, That's great, true. but not not a good look as a dad. No, I wouldn't like it. It's tough. Wouldn't like it. All right, what category is he? This is tricky, as all these are, but I actually narrowed it down to two pretty quickly. And the question for me is whether he is a film jock or whether he is an entertainer. Those are the two. Those are the two for me. And I think, I mean, he is, that's what he's doing. Even we talked, we talked about kind of the divide between his thriller action work and, you know, it's more popcorn fair and it's more prestige fair, but even in his, his more Oscar Beatty type stuff, like we said, he is watchable. You are there. You are not, you're never bored by Denzel. You're never checking your watch when Denzel is on the screen. He he demands to be seen. And it had me leaning entertainers. But I think the thing that we hit on is his ability to modulate, to go really, really big and get on the edge of going too big and not cross over. And the ability to just use his stillness and his silence and his looks, he is using every single tool in the toolbox, but he has a broad toolbox. Like he is able to run the gamut. More of... than just entertainer. Exactly. And, and I think he uses that the same way, you know, we talk about some of these directors using the great film jock directors are using their techniques that are often bombastic in service of the bigger project. And I think that's what Denzel does and can do. I would probably put him in film jocks for that reason, but it would be close. He's always acting as part of a movie, not just acting Yeah, near a movie. Mm -hmm. I think I lean that way. I have a question for you to help get at what we want to go with. I thought the, when I kind of wrote down like my one sentence or one word definition of like, his acting style to me, it's just so much about presence. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you think presence leans more towards film jock or more toward entertainer. It's a great question. And one that uh, annoyingly, I think you could kind of use in, in service of either. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, cause I, cause I think it's a, uh, it's a presence is both a thing that you just have like innately which maybe if, if you think it's more, if you think it's more innate, maybe I would lean more towards I, I the don't. entertainers. I don't, right. I don't, yeah. If you, th- if you think it is a presence is a tool that they're very aware of and can use and modulate, then maybe I put that more in the film jocks if I was going to break it down like that. I, when I think about a movie like, remember the Titans, for example, mm-hmm. like he's important, but that movie is, is a big ensemble. Mm-hmm. and he's not on screen for a lot and even when he is there are a couple moments when my eyes are glued to him when he's giving his speech to the the players when they first arrive at camp and the, those sorts of moments but for the most part i don't you know in i don't feel like i can't look away from him like i do in yeah. this movie and i think that's a choice that he's making so i would say film jock cool let's do it there we okay. go 
Film Jock Denzel. Feels right. I think I think so. He was a coach. He was an athlete. He's a jock. He's all, there you go. Perfect. Perfect. He what he he also was. He he played under PJ Carlissimo at at Fordham mm-hmm. College Basketball. I saw that. Uh, yeah, pretty awesome. So I think that means it's time for the letterboxed game. Now, as a reminder, the way this game works is each of us is going to pick one actor or crew member from the film we discussed. In this case, Training Day. And the other is going to have to guess their top three highest rated feature films on Letterboxd. So it means no television, no unreleased movies. Uh, we're going to skip training day. I'll, I'll tell you if it's on this list, what position it's at. And we also tend to skip the Marvel Cinematic Universe just because it tends to muck up the works. But we will give plenty of hints if the guesser gets Shoot, stumped. all of Denzel's Marvel rules, if we do, Denzel wouldn't be on there. I know it's tough. We're going to have to really dig, dig to the bottom of the barrel there. All right. I've got one for you. If you're ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to have you do the top three highest rated feature films of one Eva Mendez. And I'll tell you right now that training day is number two. So you're looking for one, three, and four. Okay. And I know because I was recently on its letterbox page that training day, I think was 3.7 or 3.8. So that's helpful. That's, that's a good little clue to start off. I want to say hitch, but I don't think it's hitch. That's just the, what I would rate highest because I love hitch (laughs) and it holds an important place in, in my, my relationship, my marriage, really. It's the foundation of it. Mm Mm-hmm was watching hitch so okay so uh i guess first i'll guess i'm not sure how people feel about this but we own the night we own the night is unfortunately just outside it would be the number four Dang. slash number okay. five with training day right and okay. i will tell you so number four eligible shoot okay and we own the night is a 3.4 okay so we're we're up above that okay she is in the Place Beyond the Pines. Do I want place, to guess? Yeah, I'll guess that. Yeah. The Place Beyond the Pines is number two eligible, right behind Training okay. Day, with a 3.7. Two, okay, cool. 3.7. Okay. Oh, 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 I wonder if you would count this. I don't think you've seen it. Uh, she's in Holy Motors. Holy Motors, number one. Or like, she doesn't speak. She's she... Yes, I have not. I have not seen it, but she has second build and appears to be prominently featured on the poster. Second build, oh, uh, she is on the poster. That's right. And that is number one at a three point eight. Okay. So good work. You're doing well. Okay. Can I get a clue for having gotten we on the night wrong? Sure. I think this movie is weirdly like a quasi sequel slash remake, except it's not. Have I seen it? Let's find out. Based on Letterboxd alone, no. I've given this movie four stars. The original of the quasi-remake, but not, or the this one? This one. Okay. I have not seen the original. I'm just going to throw a guess out there so that I can get another clue, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm draw on a blank. But she's in The Other Guys. She is in The Other guys. guys. It is unfortunately... That should be top three. It should be, but unfortunately not. Uh, that's down down kind of okay. low. All right, I'm going to give you a clarifying clue. 
though the film's title and story loosely resembles that of Blank's 1992 film, Blank. This is not helpful. You're just giving me the same clue. It but is, <laughs> I'm going to get, it is, it is neither a sequel nor a remake. It's only commonality is a corrupt policeman as the central oh, character. Okay. Oh, that's training day. No. <laughs> wow. Oh, and you know what? And there's a corrupt police or like we on the night too. She is, is often cast. A lot of those. Movies. Uh, the- corrupt policeman 92 movie. Bad Lieutenant is from the early nineties. But I was not aware that it was remade, but not remade. The problem is I don't know what else she was in besides like one of the Fast and the Furious movies or multiple. Bad Lieutenant. It is Bad Lieutenant. Port it of, is. All right. Port of Call, New Orleans. The Warner Herzog, Nicolas oh. Cage movie from oh. 2009. Okay. Which is, wow. yeah, a weird... Abel Ferrara made the original Bad Lieutenant. That's what I was uh, thinking. Yeah, the Abel yes, Ferrara. and was okay. like mad about this movie happening. Fair. Strange, like production Seems history, reasonable. but a, a very fun movie. Nice work. That was a uh, that was an impressive impressive showing there. It was okay. All right, got a couple wrong. Mostly save face. All right, for you, I'm to- I'm actually going to give you an option here. Okay, because I'm torn, and they're both they're both solid choices. Not okay. too easy. Not impossible. Do you want to go with Denzel or do you want to do Fuqua? Hmm. Both doable. Good question. Why don't we do Denzel? Because I feel, I feel somewhat comfortable that after all this, I know a lot of Denzel movies but I've, or the names them, but I've never sorted by like top rated. So I mm-hmm. could not tell you what's going on. Question there. is how many is it going to take you? Uh, you'll get them, but okay. But okay. Let's do it. Oh, and so you know training day would have been number three. Okay. So I'm looking for one, two, and four. Yep. And we know that training day is like a 3.8, I think, now. So that's what that's wild to me that a 3.8 is gonna be Denzel's would have been number third three. highest. Okay. Wild. So Malcolm X. Yeah. That's number one, four point one. Okay. And it's t- I would be tempted to guess. I'm tempted to guess one of the other spikes, except I don't think any of them are loved in the same way by the letterboxed community. Let's go. All right, let's go Inside Man. Inside Man is number seven. Okay. 3.6, shameful. Yeah, that's, I thought that might be the case, but I, uh, all right, all right. I mean, do people, and I feel like people don't love, Letterboxd doesn't love Tony Scott. This is the tricky thing here. I mean, do people like Glory? I'm going to guess Glory. Glory, I was surprised, is number three. It's 3.7. People do like that movie. Okay. So you have one and three, so you just need number two. And it's somewhere between a 3.8 and a 4.1. Yeah. I feel like we start to get into the territory where I know this is the trouble with the letterbox game is I always have a pretty good idea of like what the people I follow, like what their rating spread is for movies. And it's often very different than the overall rating spread. I'm going to guess fences. No. Okay. Fences is 10. Okay. 
All right. Can you give me? So we'll get a. So you gave this movie four stars. Oh boy. Okay. Four stars. I feel like I gave a lot of Denzel movies four stars. Is is it? He got game. It is not. Okay. Uh, he got game is number nine. So you're really you're getting you're getting most of the top ten here. Yeah. Um, the this one was directed by someone he's worked with multiple times. Okay. Which is not, you know. Not a full giveaway, but hopefully moderately helpful. Yeah. Maybe it is a Tony Scott. Crimson Tide? No, but Crimson Tide is number five. It's killing me. Yeah. This movie, Denzel, I believe, was nominated for an Oscar for his performance. Okay. So I'm going to change the clue slightly. Okay. Okay. In this movie, Denzel was not nominated for an Oscar for his performance but i thought he was which is moderately helpful that's a terrible clue that's so that's un- a great clue so you know unhelpful. it's not like man on fire because you know i didn't think he was nominated for that okay this is a role that you'd think he might have been nominated for but he wasn't oh okay maybe this is helpful actually is it philadelphia yes it is okay all right that i that was a good clue i apologize <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So it it was Philadelphia. It was uh, Malcolm X, Philadelphia, Training Day, and then Glory. Gotcha. That's I should have guessed Philadelphia earlier. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, I but he just has so many too. You you fall down these like rabbit holes of thought, and you just miss one. I said early on that I didn't think it was any of the other spikes, and then I second guessed it, guessing. and I'm like, I'm like, well, what if it <laughs> is though? You guessed two more spikes. Ugh. That's funny. All right. Well, I think that does it then. I think that's our that's been our episode on Denzel Washington, the film Jock, to put it reductively. That's what we do here. We we dive deep and then we we finish up on the surface. All right. Well, uh, until next time, we've got plenty of Denzel content coming your way on roughcutcinema.com. And until then, thanks for listening. 